Hello there, everyone. A very warm welcome to SG Live. It's Tuesday, the 13th of October, and it's a real pleasure to be with you today from the UK, three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I can only say it's been a pretty flustering week for me, so this topic today is quite quite opportune, and I'm really pleased to have a special guest with me who can talk to you very, very uh, articulately about the subject. So, as usual, let me run through a few slides with you, and then we'll dive straight in with my special guest for the session today. Well, as you know, gremlins are around all the time, so uh, if we have any problems, bear with me. We'll get them sorted and get back online. It is live chat, so if you have any questions, please do you know, throw them at us. And of course, this is a great opportunity for you to network with the folks out there. It's not just about talking to us, but also connecting with people who are like-minded and also share some thoughts and ideas. Now, what I want to do before we actually dive into the session is I want to give you a bit of an overview to my special guest today. And um, I was very lucky back in 2017 when I set off doing podcasts to have interviewed Heather Beach and Heather was wonderful. She, it was a bit of a learning curve for me and she was so patient and actually helped me through the process quite a bit. Heather Beach is the founder and managing director of the Healthy Work Company in the UK. She's been running businesses in health and safety for over 25 years. Now, the Healthy Work Company provides solutions which drive the well-being agenda and enable thriving in workplaces at all levels. And it provides strategic support for your well-being program. I found a quote on the Safety Health uh, Practitioner and it basically said, uh, Heather's comment was, we're driving the mental health agenda towards how human beings thrive in life, often through work, and not in spite of it. I thought that was very opportune. So without wasting any more of your time, let me introduce you to Heather Beach and say, Heather, a very warm welcome to SG Live. It's a pleasure to see you again. I'm really privileged that you asked me back. Thanks, well, Sonny. you know, um, you always bring a lot of value to all the conversations and you're so patient and, and deliver your messages so articulately. I thought this is such an interesting topic right now, considering where the world is in terms of, well, thriving through adversity. So let's let's sort of let me let me start off by, well, really throwing the first question at you, uh, which is. Can we define what we actually mean by um, thriving through uh, adversity? Yeah, well, we had a really interesting conversation about this one, didn't we, Sonny? Mm. I mean, I don't, we've got people from all over the world dialing in, and some of you, it may be very different in your culture. But in the Western world, particularly in America and, and the UK, I think for the last 10, maybe 20 years, we've had this idea that you know, we always should be happy. And if we're not happy, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with our life. There's some, we're a failure. Uh, we should be able to sort it out so that we are happy. And we have this idea of happiness that is actually only one part of, of happiness as it was originally construed, which is hedonic well-being. So it's more, it's about being being feeling pleasure, feeling good, feeling content, and all of these things. Actually, once we when we have them, we feel we're a valid, we're a right, we're we're, we're a good human being uh, as we stand. Oh, you've put me right off putting that lady up now. Oh, we're sorry about that. Right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, my fault. I told you gremlins. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I know we are going to get on to that. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I, I suppose for me, um, what this whole period has really highlighted is the fact that life is not always good. And really, as human beings, what we need to consider is um, how can we work through the bad times and what can we take from those bad times for our life um in the uh, in aristotle's days back in you know the greek times they had this idea that there were different types of happiness one of which was that hedonic i feel good i'm content the other one was something called eudaimonic which is basically about growth so can we say look i'm not feeling great right now but i'm learning something or there's a meaning that I can give to this for my overall life. I feel that I will come out of this a better person. I personally feel the worst things that have happened in my life, I've ultimately, because I've dealt with them in a way which has made me feel uh, that proud of myself, I suppose, that I feel like I like myself better as a result of those things that have happened to me, which have been bad. Um, even though I suffered, I really suffered through those periods, you know, sometimes for years on end, for two or three years on end. But ultimately, I could look back and say, those times made me into who I am today. And I'm grateful that I had those times. So that's what I mean when I talk about thriving through adversity. Mm -hmm. um, you certainly thrive through adversity there with me throwing that slide out. So I apologize for that. That was a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just cue me in when you want those slides to come that's in. Cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I guess, I guess really, um, we are in a bit of a tough spot, aren't we, nowadays in terms of adversity and challenges? Um, let me, let me, uh, shall I put the slide up with the pictures and then we can, do you want me to bring those in now or? Um, I think they're when we talk about stress, aren't they, specifically? Right. Yeah. So, or, okay. or, or, or how, why are we struggling? So, I'm, okay. I'm you've got a next, there was a, a question I think you were going yeah. to ask. What are the signs and the reasons? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, um, this is a question that some people will be very keen to know. What what are the signs and, re and and reasons? I mean, it may not always. Will it? Does it always stare at you straight away in terms of adversity and um, all those uh, aspects associated with it? Um, I absolutely think it depends on how self-aware you are and. I should be so much better than I am. I've been studying this whole area for, oh, I don't know, 20 odd years. And it's been a source of absolute fascination to me. And yet I still do not know when I'm about to go into overwhelm, when I'm about to hit the struggling. And I, I, it's only when I'm in there and I start to see, ah, oh, okay, now that's what's going on and I need to row back and look at what I do to look after myself better but the sorts of things that you're looking at to show you that you're struggling as an individual are things like uh, physical sickness so are you being consistently physically unwell have you got digestive problems have you got um you know are you are you getting a lot of colds and flu, you're getting a lot of infections, you've got permanent bad back, you're you feeling out of sorts. So that can be a sign that there's something going on because obviously mental and physical health are so strongly linked, aren't they? Yeah. Then also you've got things like emotions. So are you constantly feeling, you know, angry, upset, sad? Are you triggered by things? I have this great story that I always tell 
a couple of years ago, I was hitting this sort of uh, pretty much a burnout, to be quite honest with you. I should know better. Um, but I, I hit that. And, and the reason I knew I was hitting that was because my ex-husband, um, who I actually get on really well with, um, yeah. took my daughter to get guinea pig number two, because apparently guinea pigs shouldn't live alone. Now, right. at the time, the idea of having guinea pig number two was absolutely beyond it for me. I just couldn't cope with the idea of another guinea pig in the house. So I'd expressly forbidden this move and they'd gone off to do it anyway. Now that was naughty, obviously, but my reaction was so out of kilter, I screamed at them. I absolutely screamed and I realized, oh my goodness me, that is out of kilter, that reaction. So I realized I was being triggered, so I needed to look at what was going on underneath that. The other thing we can look at is hiding from life. Are we consistently on the sofa watching Netflix, eating Ben and Jerry's? You know, we all like to do that from time to time, but are we doing more than usual? So there's lots of signs to look for, but we are entering that danger zone or we're in that danger zone already. Um, and then we really need to start to look out for how we look after ourselves better. Well, you know, you very, you were very candid there and very open with your own situation. And there's folks I can see on the chat now. Bear in mind, we're about thirty seconds um, ahead of the chats. But Jay, Sanjay, Salom, Jorge, thanks guys for joining us. If you have any questions, you know, I mean, please feel free. Think of this as like a, a moment to take a pause and and throw out some thoughts as to what your experiences are. Well, my own personal experience, I can chime with what you said about Netflix, because I found uh, certainly with the current situation with the pandemic, for example, you know, I mean, we're all going through that um, challenge and adversity. I found it was very easy to uh, step back and just say, oh, I've been working very hard and take it as a holiday at the beginning. But then after a while, it became quite difficult. You know, it was it was really difficult to um, get into a routine and a pattern. So do you think then that it's very easy in terms of signs and reasons that you can fall into routines and, and behaviors that you don't really see immediately as um, uh, challenges and adversity and so on? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I mean, you know, most of us are driven by unconscious patterns, aren't we, and habits. That we've always had so one of my bad habits I've got loads of them but one of them is I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I'm also a people pleaser I don't like to say no when I take something on I like to do it really really well well if in this day and age you know when you're constantly being bombarded with stuff to do and you've got to do it all perfectly that's an absolute recipe for burnout isn't it, it is. so but it's trying to I think understand okay wow that's really interesting I've got perfectionist tendencies what can I read about that what can I do what can I learn that will enable me to maybe temper that a little bit because we're all driven by these unconscious habits patterns stuff we built up from our childhood from our peer group we don't recognize it's there because our brain just has all these shortcuts in place don't they that's just the truth for us it's just the way the world is and actually it's not until sometimes we fall into these problems that we actually have to say okay, how can I ensure that doesn't happen again? What what yeah. What is it about me that made that happen? What is it about that pattern that I'm running? So, I mean, the danger there is that uh, you put expectations on yourself as well, I guess, don't you? I mean, there are people 
who might put you on a pedestal and you feel you've got to live up to it and so on. But the danger also is that you might put yourself into a position where you expect things and because you can't deliver because circumstances change because whatever reasons, financial, pandemics, whatever, it is very dif difficult, I guess, to, to overcome those things. And, and recognizing the signs and the reasons, would you say are the first sort of, is the first step towards addressing what those challenges are? Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm, you, you probably know, uh, Sonny, I'm 51. And I wasn't until I was 50 that I realized that I had perfectionist tendencies. And I was actually writing an essay about resilience. And I came across this uh, questionnaire by Frost, who's a, one of the researchers into the area. And I established there are three types of of perfectionism there's self-oriented which is you have really high standards for yourself there's other oriented that you have really high standards for those around you and there's socially prescribed perfectionism which is that everybody you believe expects very highly of you mm. and I was really shocked at how highly I scored on the first two and a pretty high score on the third one too and that really made it click into place for me because I was like oh my goodness me, you're also a people pleaser. You hate to say no, you like everyone to like you. Bring these two things together, no wonder you've got a bit of a propensity to take on too much and to burn out. So understanding ourselves, noticing the signs, understanding what's driving us, and then trying to get to grips with that are, you know, and there's there's layers underneath all of these things, aren't there? Everything that we see, there's another layer. And the more we can get to that next layer, the better we have chance of actually cracking it potentially so we've got we've gone through the conversations and we've said we know what, what we, we were looking at we know what the label on the box is in terms of thriving through adversity and we've said we recognize the signs yeah there are some mm. some clear signs now i'd like to ask you a question if the timing's right and i'd like to put forward this question is well how how do we deal with them what do we do so recognizing what they are yeah so but so one we we sort of think of this in in two ways we think of short term stress and how you deal with short term in the moment stress and then longer term stress and the problem for all of us right now is that we are all in that longer term or most of us are in that longer term stress scenario because the uncertainty which and and the, the fact that we have so much change all the time we just get into an adjustment period and then it changes again we're just adjusting and then it changes again so our brains are constantly seeing threat everywhere because uncertainty you know our brains will interpret that as threat so it's really a, a question of, of 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 noticing first of all what's going on and then and then what we like to recommend is actually writing everything down so writing all the key stressors that you have down on a piece of paper and then looking at um i think we're going to go into this in a minute sonny aren't we is the yes, uh, the idea of the, the two exercises that we can do yeah. so yeah. i don't know whether that's something you want to get into now or if these are going to be uh, done in order these slides or what i i'm i'm entirely at your mercy because these slides i can i can throw them up as you want me to oh, the pictures in which yeah. case, can you throw the stress bucket up and then we'll, yeah. and then circles and then we'll, right. we'll just talk through those. Right. So, yeah, perfect. OK, so the f first thing it's gone. <laughs> there you yeah, go. There perfect. You go. Right. OK, lovely. 
So the first thing that we would do is we would write down everything that was a source of stress right now. So it might be, thank you, helpfully highlighting that bucket there. It might be that you're putting in there things like finances. You might be putting in there fear of getting... um, uh the 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 covid you might be putting in there things like um my family my job too much to do uh so we'd put all of those sources of stress into there and then there's two uh potential things that you can do with that i mean there's many more things but let's let's focus on these two so the first one is to look at what coping mechanisms you can put in place or you perhaps usually use which might work for you which are helpful because one of the things that we want to be doing is is enlarging the size of that bucket enabling us to deal with more things and one of we can do lots of helpful coping strategies we can for example eat better sleep better you know exercise take care of some of our physical stuff but equally we can do things like delegate more we can you know we can talk to somebody who's non-judgmental we can we can do things to support ourselves and also perhaps being honest with ourselves about our unhelpful coping mechanisms so are we do we have a propensity to drink too many glasses of red wine when we're worried or do we eat all the sugar and carbs that we can find in the house or you know or take sleeping tablets on a regular basis to get us through the night you know so we, we this is kind of just to get a, a real bit of honesty going on about our what we can use helpfully and what is unhelpful to us and then the next thing that we like to do and this is quite a mean one can you put the next one up please the one about circles on it okay yeah comes from Stephen Covey and he actually appropriated from the Stoics um, in the you know Greek times Um, and what the Stoics said was if you can't control it you should forget it Hmm. now that's very easy to say isn't it and an Hmm. awful lot harder to actually Mm. do Um, Mm. there's serenity prayer in christianity as well where we look at this idea that you know give me the peace to to give me the i can't can't remember it off by heart but basically the wisdom to know the difference between things i can do something about and and just accept the things that i can't Mm. but if we look back to the stressors that we put in that stress bucket yeah what we can do is look at where we put those so can I do anything about that thing myself or not? If I can't do anything about it, can I influence it in some way? So let's say it's workload. Well, we may not be able to absolutely control our workload, but we may be able to influence it. We may be able to have a really powerful conversation with our boss or with our peers or those people that are giving us too much work to do. And then finally, if it really is nothing I can do about it, it has to sit out there in the circle of concern, which Mm. are the things which we as human beings spend an awful lot of time worrying about, but actually we really can't do anything about. So politics, the weather, the economy, what others think about us, social media and the news, all of those things. So I'll just give you a personal example of this. My dad is struggling. He has dementia and he's getting progressively worse. And my mum is basically now struggling to deal with him. They've had a great relationship, a lovely marriage. They're a lovely, lovely couple, but they are struggling with each other now. And um, it, it, it worries me. But but I can't control the progress of my dad's dementia. Mm. I also can't control how my mum reacts to it. Where do I have influence? I can call my mum more. I can listen to her. I can go and see them more. I can take one or other of them out to give them a break from each other. 
but that's all I can do. So it's really focusing in, it's a really powerful way of looking at our problem as understanding what we can do about it in any given time. I, I, I like this model. So uh, looking back at the analogy or the, the personal experience you've given there, you basically looked at the stressors, didn't you? What, what mm. have I got in terms of stressors? And then you're saying, let's divvy this up and say, well, which ones can I control? Which ones can I influence? And, you know, they're obviously in your circle of concern, but which ones can you really uh, get a hold of and do something about it? Is, have I oversimplified it or is that, no, is that a... That is it. I mean, at the end of the day, Sonny, we all act like we have infinite energy and we do not. We have finite energy. We have finite time. We have a certain amount of, of things that we can take on in any given day. Are we going to waste it? And it is wasting it in that area where we're worrying about things. And let's think about it. Stress and anxiety are very future based. They're always about what might happen or we're worrying about an uncertain future. Actually, there's nothing we can do about that. So we so it's, it's basically bringing ourselves back to what we can control right now. Mm -hmm. Can I? Folks on chat, Jay on Facebook, Sanjay, Salom, uh, folks on the chats there. If you have any concerns, we're not going to flash your names up, obviously, but if you have any specific concerns about things that you feel are challenges or whatever, just hit them on a, on a chat or something. I, I'm sure people will see it, but I'm sure you'll also be quite diplomatic in the way you phrase it. Or maybe you have a question that you might want to ask Heather. Uh, I can think of hundreds of questions, uh, but I want you guys on the chat to come up with some uh, questions as well for Heather. So coming back to the circle then and the, the previous slide here, uh, let me just go back if I can, Heather, um, about the buckets, yeah? Mm, yeah. This is a really good working model, isn't it? So you're saying collect them all, put mm. them in there and look at how you may be coping with them or you may not be coping with them. It's just it's just really finding out. And I think this would really work for me, my own personal circumstances now, because before the uh, before the live event, I told you I'd had about seven nights of very poor sleep, for example. And, and that's because things are rattling around in my head. OK, and it can keep you awake, these things. So if I actually, I'm going to use these buckets, I'm going to put them in there, and I'm going to figure out what I'm doing in terms of coping with them. Um, now, you have a couple of other slides as well in terms of the uh, the picture. Mm. Do you want me to flick to them as well? Yeah, 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 that's fine. Yes, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. So, I mean, what I really wanted to point out here is this idea about stress. So when we talk about stress most of your viewers I'm, I'm sure will know that you know we need a certain amount of pressure or challenge to get us motivated otherwise we're it's actually quite stressful because you become demotivated and you don't really want to get out of bed in the morning no. we've all been in a job which we could do standing on our heads and basically it's not not fun anymore is it we need a certain amount of stress um but we oh gosh Gemma's putting a question up all oh, right okay I'll come to that in a minute let me just finish this conversation thank you Gemma so um yeah we um so uh, and what happens is that um 
we can get to we, we want to be at the top of that curve we want to be having just the right amount of plates to spin just the right amount of stuff in it and generally working within our strengths because when we're within our strengths we're generally pretty happy yeah. uh, a little bit of challenge associated with it so for you sonny for example you know you're obviously right within your strengths doing this job and then oh my goodness me you're now on linkedin you're now on facebook that's giving you an extra bit of challenge which is <laughs> exciting and motivating but you know but also what we can do is we can end up with too many plates to spin we can end up with something which is actually quite difficult for us that we don't isn't sitting within our strengths at all and then we can end up going over and being actually not as effective but this so that everybody kind of knows that idea of the curve the Jörg and Dodson Dodd, curve is kind of known but this is less known this one and I really like this this is the idea, this is Lazarus's theory, and this is the idea that it is our thoughts about the stressor, not the stressor itself. So what this means is, in, and, and there's arguments in the psychology profession over where the emotion comes first or the thought comes first, but regardless, there's a nanosecond between them. So something comes up and we immediately, in a nanosecond, think, is this situation threatening, harmful or challenging? Can I cope with it? And that will be different from individual to individual. So I've been doing a lot of sessions with ITV newsreaders recently. And the job they do, most people would be, oh, my goodness me, I couldn't do that in a million years. I couldn't sit and interview a politician and be on live TV. Um, for me, uh, the example of this I would use is when my the brown envelope with my tax return comes through the door. Because I'm immediately thinking, oh, I won't have the right paperwork. I won't be able to add it up. I won't have enough money in the bank. That in situation is threatening, harmful and challenging to me. But it wouldn't be to another person. So we're all very, very different. And um, whether it sits within our strengths and how much else we have going on. Can you show the next one, Sonny, please? Sure, sure. That's part of this too. So what's also interesting about this is our ability to cope will be impacted by so many things so you haven't had enough sleep recently sonny so your ability to cope yeah. is lower than it normally yeah. would be so if we ended up it all went not rot, not well on linkedin you might you what? might oh oh look it's all right. uh, gremlins <laughs> i'm going through these challenges <laughs> circumstance you might take it well within your stride so things like you know have i had enough sleep have i eaten the right food did i have too many glasses of wine has someone made me feel really bad about myself all of those things are going to impact the way that we deal with that stressor so there's a couple of things here the first thing is to understand that every single person deals with a stressor in a different way and that way will differ from day to day depending on how they are themselves mm -hmm. and the second thing is that we can improve our capacity to deal with stress by taking proactive measures to look after ourselves that's not just physically but also mentally so it might be doing gratitude exercises it might be journaling it might be connecting with people it might be being kind it and equally it might be going for a run or eating some great food but if we prioritise looking after ourselves so we can be the best we can be on every single day, then we can probably deal a little bit better with some of these things that life throws at us. Well, you were spot on there because um, on a Tuesday and Thursday when these shows go out, I usually go for a run. And I find that's very therapeutic for me because you get the, um, the oxygen into the lungs, the brain's a little bit more chilled out as well. 
And the last seven days with the poor sleep, my I said at the beginning of the show, my exercise regime has been very, very erratic. So my my coping mechanism is for me, I think, a form of exercise. I find it very therapeutic and it helps me helps me switch off, you know. And and that that to me is very important in terms of actually coping with adversities. Because if I don't switch off, it just keeps rattling around and round and round in my head. Um, so you were right, Gemma asked a question. Shall I think, shall I put that back up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, whilst, you, whilst you're putting that up, I mean, I yeah. think it, you, what you've talked about is absolutely the case. And exercise is almost generically really helpful for everybody. But what I would say is probably there's a lot more to it than that. You were talking yeah. earlier about having someone to talk to. So yeah. for you, that's really important. And for most of us, to be honest, that's really important as well, having someone to talk to. It may be also that doing something useful actually helps you as well. There are so many layers and aspects to this aspect of keeping happy and keeping well. And it's very complex and a little bit out of kilter. And actually, I mean, I, I constantly think about the fact that I... I'm in exactly the same situation as I was three or four years ago. I'm single, I'm a single parent. Um, but uh, three or four years ago, I used to think to myself, well, I'll be happy when. But now uh, there's a couple of things that have come into play. One is I've got a work that I absolutely love and I've got community around me that I really connect with a lot. Those things have actually given me a massive appreciation of what I have right now. And I never now think I'll be happy when. I'm always like, wow, I'm really lucky, I'm really happy now. So it can be a lot of different things that can need to fall into place to ensure, to enable you to have that. Mm. Yeah, that's what I love about you in the sense that you always say things which are very reinforcing and very assuring because certainly in my head, those were the things that were going through uh, in my head. And also the fact that if you're doing something that keeps you occupied and you're being creative, especially during these pretty unusual circumstances, like live events, like networking and so on, I find it's very helpful for me. Talking of which, if you guys have got questions, you know, throw throw them at us and uh, we will take them. So, as you know, Gemma put up a question. Hi, Gemma. Thanks. Um what would you do when other people insist on putting things in your stress bucket, but don't allow you any opportunity to improve the size or methods of emptying your bucket? <laughs> oh, my goodness me, Gemma. I mean, I think this is great that you put that up because I think this is a massively common issue right now. It's always a common issue, but if anything, it's got worse, I think, in, in this period, especially for you guys who are dealing with so much here right now. Um, but I mean... I think one of the things that I would ask is, do you think that that person or those people are doing it on purpose? Or do you think that actually perhaps if you were to have a conversation with them about it and actually say to them, look, I've got these many things on my list. Uh, you've asked me to do that, that and that as well. Uh, which takes priority? Because I know for myself that when that I have a tendency as a manager, and I know this isn't good, by the way, when people don't tell me that they've got too much on, I can keep piling it on because they're taking it, taking it, taking it. And they're not telling me. So I think one of the first things is to communicate because I don't think people do this on purpose. I don't think people overload other people and give them way too much to do on purpose. They, they are almost certainly doing it because they're not thinking. So, you know, you sometimes need to train your manager 
to operate with you in a way that works much better for you. And this is one of those areas where you may not have control, but you have influence. It's looking at how you can have that powerful conversation with those people that are filling up your stress bucket. And be really clear on your boundaries as well. You know, to be well, you need to have some time to empty your stress bucket, as you've put it quite beautifully yourself, to do those things that also enable you to be as productive and effective as possible. So if you're saying to people, look, I'm working from eight till six every day. If I'm doing that, I can't go for a run. I can't do those things that make me well. So I would like to work between nine and five, get as much done as possible. Which of these things are the key priorities? Because you can bet your life that they haven't thought it through when they've given you all those things to do. Is that then a case of, um, in Gemma's case or anyone else's case, when they're putting stuff into your stress buckets, they stop, I'm, I've reached a limit here. I'm going to, uh, is that what it is then to say, just stop and, and actually be a little bit uh, committed in saying that? Is, is there, a, like you said, there's a, there's a tendency to also take, isn't there? Keep taking, 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 Ooh. overloading. So. In front of so many senior teams, manager teams uh, over the last three or four years of people who've said, I have way, way too much to do. And when we've said to them, when have you pushed back? They've all looked at the table because it's it's somehow too scary a thing. And I do get it, especially in a period when we're worried about our livelihoods, we're worried about our jobs. We want to be seen to be doing all the time. But the reality is we can't. We can't keep going at that pace and we will fall over. And actually mm. it's much better and more effective for everyone. A really, really good thing that I read, that Oliver Berkman, who's the columnist for The Guardian, absolutely brilliant. He wrote about happiness for years and he's just done his final column. And he wrote basically saying, um, one of the things to understand is that there will always, always be too much to do. And the better we get at doing things, the more things there will be to do. So one of the things that we can possibly do is flip it on its head and look at rather than trying to get as much done as possible, trying to look at what we're not going to do. What things are we not going to do? What are we going to actually put in which we really have, which are really important to us? And then what are we just not going to do? Because there's just too much going on and we can't keep up with it all. That's that's fantastic. I mean, um, Gemma, I hope um, that sort of, it gave you uh, some sort of thought processes there. Uh, while uh, while you were doing that, Jorge's come in with a question now. Jorge, hello, how are you? Uh, are there any normative related with this new experience after COVID that helps to deal with workers? Now, Jorge's in Mexico. Um, yes. So, are there any are there any guidances or anything for this? I, I'm not. Are you, what do you mean by normative, Jorge? Could you maybe put that in the chat box? Are you talking about um, rules, guidance? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, the, yeah. the most important thing that I think um, has has come out of this, and it, and it's really, really tricky because it comes back on our line managers. But our line managers really, really need to be having individual conversations because everybody's situation is so different here and everybody is we've got this huge picture of extremes haven't we with some people that are you know happy maybe on their own completely maybe feeling isolated some that loving that some that are hating it some that are trying to work in circumstances which are really difficult where mm. they don't really have a, a space they don't have a desk they don't they want to be back in an office you know every single person you have to listen to really well and give them and ideally give them what's going to work for them 
in relation to uh you know their what's going on so 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 really interesting i had a, a, a chat with a friend of mine and she was saying well i don't know what um i'm gonna do when when they go back to school because their hours are uh 9 30 to 5 and she and um, my uh, girl can't do that because she's gonna be um she's gonna be taking her child to school and i was okay so who made up the 9 30 to 5 rule yeah. oh well, we did. you know so it, it's it's maybe being a bit creative and some of the best businesses are being quite creative with individuals and they're putting some structures in place to help people to switch off. So a business I spoke to last week, uh, they're setting a no meetings after three o'clock rule because that then means that people are not working right up to the wire, right up to the end or on Zoom meetings all day. Mm. But, but what's really interesting about this period, uh, Jorge, as well, is the amount of experimentation which is going on. Some of it's going to work, some of it's not. And the more we can share learnings, uh, the better. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just reminded me of something, actually. Um, Jorge is from uh, the oil and gas industry, same as myself in the past. So I, I thought to myself while you were saying that, maybe the risk assessments that companies are doing now should take into consideration these additional burdens and challenges and things that they're putting on people. Maybe the stress bucket is something that sh they should take into consideration while they're doing the risk assessments. Have, you're, have making any me smile. Uh, you're making me smile, Sonny, because oh dear. Um, well, I said. <laughs> there is legislation which says that every organization should do an organizational risk assessment for stress and, and mitigate against it. And we don't do it very much. And there's loads really? of reasons why we don't really? do it. Yeah, it's hardly done at all. I mean, what what some of some organizations do is they do individual stress risk assessments. So somebody comes to them and says, I'm struggling. And then they'll do an individual stress risk assessment with that person. But very rarely do we find that people are actually formally doing any kind of ongoing stress risk assessment for their organization. Um, two things. One. And, and I do have some sympathy with this first thing, actually, is that it's a very changing picture. So, you know, all you need is one new manager or one new role or one individual or an individual that's str struggling and actually everything can change very quickly. So there's a question, I suppose, over how useful that data is. Although the best organizations, again, put a lot of pulse surveys in place and they might every week be asking people four or five things to talk about how they're doing. But they generally get done by HR, not by health and safety people. And is the connection there between HR and health and safety to kind of build a stress risk assessment out of some of that data? I'm not sure that it necessarily is. Mm. And then the second reason people don't do them is it's too difficult to deal with the results. Because if, for example, it says at the end of the day um, that we don't have the resources in this organization to do our job. So nobody has the right laptop and nobody has the right, you know, setup at home. Well, that's a massive cost to sort out, isn't it? So do we want to do that right now? I'm not sure that we do. So if people feel it's uncovering a little can of worms they may not want to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Salom's come in with a question. Thanks, Salom. Nice to see you. Salom's in Ghana. Uh, life is a roller coaster, so challenges will always come. Very true. I believe we need to always look at the brighter side of the adversities we face and develop the right mindset, given the fact that there can be good opportunities even in challenges. For example, the COVID pandemic has presented opportunities for people to go 
digital with that business. People are thinking differently now to explore opportunities. Now, apologies in advance. I, I read the whole thing out there. I know you can read it all. all you, everyone online can read it as well. But yeah, so hmm, good and bad and bad and good. It sounds like yin and yang, doesn't it? Oh, Salome, you're a man after my own heart. I, I, <laughs> I, I think it's really tough because it is, this is really tough for people. I know it is. And and yet that has to be balanced with uh, a mindset shift for all of us. Because, you know, especially in the Western world, we've had quite an, you know, you could say an unhealthy way of, of living in many ways. We've been fixated on financial success and working hard and and being seen to have status and and actually you know maybe the world is teaching us something that actually none of that stuff is quite as important as we thought it was when I struggle and I do because I'm an ambitious person you know I've got ideas about how I want my business to be and sometimes I think oh it's never gonna happen right now because 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 um, I tend to bring myself back to the present moment and say I've got food in the fridge. I've got a roof over my head. I've got people that love me. I've got work that I really love. Oh, goodness me, I'm really, really lucky. So I think that's a mindset shift. And I do agree with you, Salon. The businesses that are going to survive, the people that are going to thrive in this period, are going to have to be massively adaptable and look at what they can take out of what's happening and actually make it work for them. Do you, do you think, though, Heather, that there's a danger that some people could set themselves up for failure? Because nobody likes to set themselves up for failure. But if our expectations are high, you know, suddenly everybody wants you to be digital, right? Not everyone can go digital, can there? There's a bit of a learning curve and so on. Do, do you think there's going to be quite a lot of challenges there and maybe... I hate to say that, but a lot of dark days. Let's just not get very negative. But do you know what I'm saying? Um, I think there's a few questions in there, really. I mean, one thing that I, I can tell you is that there are various happiness formulae, okay? And one of them says that expectations is the enemy of happiness. So the more we expect from life, <laughs> the mm, I like that. more kind of we're going to be unhappy. And there's also a comparative thing in there, which is so interesting. And I think one thing that actually makes this situation slightly better for us is that we're all feeling it. So most people are worried about their jobs. Most people are worried about catching this, that, the other. You know, we're all feeling it to a certain extent, which means that in a sense, there's a, a sense of like, oh, good, I'm not the only one doing badly here and, and everyone else is doing well. Whereas under normal circumstances, you know, we have to kind of keep up this front, don't we? And we're looking at those people going, well, I want to earn what they're earning or, you know, why can't I do X, Y and Z? So there's a comparative thing in there, but there's also this idea of expectation. So the more we expect... Uh, unfortunately, generally, the lower our happiness level is going to be. That doesn't mean we shouldn't set ourselves goals, but we should be flexible in those goals. So, so you know, constantly have little things you're working towards. And if it doesn't work out, what can I learn from that? How can I take something from that for me for future, as opposed mm. to beating yourself up? I guess it's a balance, isn't it? If you, we all want to be ambitious. We all want to get on things. We all do things, but bring into it the stress bucket and say. Is what I'm striving towards really damaging me in terms of increasing my stress load? Am I coping with it? I, I, I mean, I'm saying stuff that 
it's coming from within and I'm not sure if you know if it's the right thing but I would say am I coping with it have I taken on too much or should I just give up you know and go and live on a, a mountaintop somewhere like a life of a monk or something you, you know there's a great book isn't there it's called uh think like a monk i think it's called isn't it where uh, the guy find it quite interesting he said he lived for a monk as three for three years and then he suddenly comes back into the into the uh into the modern era and he does all the social media stuff and so on and he says every two or three years he has to go back to the monastery just to defrag <laughs> but um you know um we've got our show on thursdays and um Gemma, salom Jorge are all on that show so uh, i know you've kindly agreed to come back to that show um we're going to put that on a different profile so we can get a, a bigger audience as well but you may get some more hard questions on the uh, on the uh, i better make sure i've had a good night's sleep the night before <laughs> you and me both <laughs> But I know you've got to um, shoot off, and I always really enjoy talking to you. It's a, talking to you is like me looking within myself, and I actually have an opportunity to say, oh, "I never thought of that," you know. And I think that's the danger that I have, and it's a bit of a, a bit of an Achilles heel that I sometimes goes so fast that I actually stop and take a bit of a sanity check, and maybe put things in the stress bucket and say, "Look." Not like it used to be, you know, pre-2020. Just take some time out. But Heather, as always, wonderful to see you. Do you want to have any final closing thoughts before the Thursday show, things that people can think about? No. Uh, well, I'd say actually that what you've just highlighted there is so appropriate. And, you know, I'm an absolute work in progress when it comes to that as well. I'm studying an aspect of Gestalt theory at the moment. Oh. And it's because there's an awful lot sitting there in silence and I'm like oh my goodness me can we just get on with this and, it, and I'm doing it on purpose because I know that that is my Achilles heel I'm so fast I rush at everything and actually for all of us taking a bit more time take a breath pause breathe think you know all these things we just haven't done as we've just got faster and faster and faster uh, that's what we really should be doing so I'm trying to do that too well it's nice to know that uh, even you have challenges as well and it it shows that we're all human at the end of the day I would list I would really just like to say thank you so much for you know sharing this time with us and um, I'm looking forward to part two with you on on Thursday I won't be hosting that Gemma will be hosting that so Ooh, well, my stress level is going to go down <laughs> but uh thank you and i really appreciate the time and effort you've given in these um slides and the and the, and the material that you shared with us heather beach thank you i look forward thank to catching you, you on thursday you and, too uh, thanks so much sonny thanks everyone for coming really appreciate it bye 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 heather so just before I head off, uh, everyone, I just want to sh uh, just share some last minute slides with you. Uh, here we go. Things not behaving. But basically, it's just to say that tune in on Thursday, 3 p.m., where we will have uh, Gemma hosting the event with Heather. And I look forward to that. Other than that, stay safe, stay well, get that stress bucket out and start looking at those stresses that you've got and get your questions ready on Thursday. Thanks. Speak to you soon. Bye for now.